With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another episode of Out the Basement Podcast. I am your co-host Chad Didemenesis, and as always, I'm joined. I won't use a nickname this time because he has a new Twitter picture with it right in there. But I won't use a nickname. But I am joined by Anthony Siandra, as always. Anthony, what is going on, my man? Doing pretty good, Chad. How about yourself, bud? Uh, as you talked about before the podcast started briefly, I'm not in the greatest moods from the hockey game last night, but it could be uh. worse. So this week, as we continue to talk with the excellent bloggers and podcasters and whatever you will around the uh, around the sports landscape, you reached in to the athletic Buffalo uh, realm. I think this is our second one, right? Because we had Eric on the first one. Um, yeah, Eric was our first one, right? Yep, so we have our second athletic writer in Lindsay Darkangelo. Lindsay, thanks for taking the time. How are you on this lovely, cold, snowy morning? I'm very good, having some coffee, ready to chat. Very, very good. So it's, uh, you know, I, I gotta ask you, it's... <laughs> One of the things, I think this is going to go out of order, so I might mess up Anthony here with our questions, but the one thing that I, I admire the most as I was doing some background on you is how your ability to cover multiple sports. I I cover a hockey team that refuses to be good at any point ever, <laughs> and it is enough stress and anxiety on my life. So I, I, I want to first say, before we kind of lean in the questions, is that I admire your ability and patience to cover multiple teams and successfully write about them because that's pretty impressive if you ask me. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I just I love sports and my foray into the sports writing world was a, a twisty and windy road. So I've gotten familiar with with lots of sports and it just has worked in my favor. So I guess we'll start with the first question. Um, I'll, I'll jump it off here, and then Anthony and I'll go back and forth. So. You know, you kind of started talking about it there. So how did everything get started for you? I mean, you've kind of, I mean, you're at the Athletic Buffalo now, but, I mean, you've jumped around to a lot of prominent, uh, I guess you say, writing sites. You know, how how did that all kind of, I guess, shake out for you? Well, I'll give you the um, the shortened version of, of my career path. I started uh, at the Buffalo News as a copywriter in the advertising department, and I was there for about five years when I started freelancing on the side. I wasn't freelancing about sports. I was more freelancing about um, gay and lesbian issues and news-related things like that. And so I decided to leave 
in 2009 and freelance full time because I'm crazy. <laughs> and and uh, I did that for a couple years. Again, not not really sports writing, but more um, those other topics I mentioned. And then uh, my daughter was born, so I stayed home with her for two years. And then around 2014, I started to branch out um, into the sports writing world. I was still freelancing for the Buffalo News, doing news side stuff, no more copywriting. But that gave me a little bit of a taste of, you know, the pitching process to... Uh, publications like newspapers and then I just started branching out and, and working my way up and I, I got started getting some national attention and uh, ESPNW and other sites like that and then I just kept you know building building a reputation um, uh, and in 2015 I joined Twitter I know I'm late to the party <laughs> but that was a boon to my career you know because people really got to read my writing from all over and I started getting requests to pitch to certain publications, and it just blossomed from there. And then this past summer, after a bunch of, I mean, you probably know the backstory about how a bunch of guys, you know, like Tim Graham, who I know very well, uh, left left the news uh, to join The Athletic when it yep. launched in, in June. Um, I had actually reached out to the news to let them know that I was available to fill any positions because I was looking for something more permanent after freelancing for so long because it's hard work. And um, they didn't really give me an answer either way. And then I got a call from The Athletic and they said, hey, you know, we want you to join our team. And I was pretty much like, hell yeah. And, (laughs) And so that's, I've been writing for them since July. So that's sort of the shortened version. No, that's awesome. And then, so I, I know you touched on, you know, your, your previous topics. So what got you into <coughs> sports writing specifically? Like, did you start that when you began freelancing? Uh, was that just something you picked up? I mean, what's your, what's your background in the, you know, sporting world? I mean, cause reading your work, I mean, it's obvious you have a ton of knowledge. Um, so I guess I'm more, I'm, I'm a little bit, um, additionally curious about your background in that regard as well. Yeah, sure. I'm, well, I'm an athlete. I've played sports all my life, primarily sure. so- soccer and basketball. And, um, in football when, when able. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, flag and, uh, just with my brothers and his friends in the backyard and stuff like that. But I've always been a football fan. Um, and just sports in general, I've always liked watching sports. I've always understood sports. Um, so that was always there, but really what happened was, is one of the national magazines I was writing for that was a gay and lesbian publication asked me to start the editor asked me to start writing about uh, lesbian athletes and profiling them. I, and this was around 2010. Mm-hmm. And so that sort of started it is I started interviewing all these athletes and, you know, I've I had a few cover stories um, with this magazine on one was Megan Rapino, Another was Brittany Griner. Um, just, it gave me a taste of, of, ta- of talking to athletes, getting to know their backstory, and I loved it. And I thought to myself, I want to do more of this. So that's how it I sort of that's how I sort of decided to um, you know pursue that angle more. That's really interesting. And, and you know, you can your, your background in that regard in, in in speaking to athletes is so evident. Uh, 
because when I read your Q&A pieces, right, I mean, the one that, I mean, they're all fantastic, but the one that stuck out to me was the one with Danny Briere. I mean, that's a, that's a tough Q&A to do, right? You know, that's a guy who didn't leave under the best circumstances, and, you know, everybody, it, it's always the one that got away, so to speak, uh, you know, in Sabres fans' minds. So touch a little bit on how you've kind of honed your craft on the Q&A stuff, um, how you're able to connect so well with athletes, you know, both former and current, and, you know, kind of get them talking in those kind of pieces. Well, I think you hit you hit it right on the head that my experience in interviewing a lot of high-profile athletes for this magazine in particular gave me that experience of not being nervous, you know, getting comfortable Mm -hmm. and realizing they're just people. But I've always been good at conversations. I've always been somebody who, who wants to know why people do the things they do, what they think, how they feel. Uh, So I've always been been good at asking the right kinds of, of questions and so that's an asset. But I think, too, is I during the course of talking to somebody like Briere, I kind of feel it out. And I have those, those tougher questions toward the bottom because if I feel like they're comfortable with me and they're having a good time, they're more apt to want to answer. Instead right, right. Of, you know, so it's that's kind of my strategy with that. But Briere was great. I mean, he didn't even flinch when I asked him. <laughs> and the only thing he said is, I don't want to say anything negative about the Sabres. And obviously, you know, why would he? He right. enjoyed his time here. But he was very honest in his response. So so you touched on it a little bit. So what kind of prep goes into those interviews? I mean, are you maybe reading past interviews, you know, from someone, you know, for we're sticking on this example for Danny Briere, right? And, and kind of seeing how he answers questions or, you know, do you just kind of stick to the same game plan, you know, that you would use normally and kind of, like you said, uh, almost feel them out for, you know, start with the, you know, softer questions and just kind of feel out their personality a little bit. How much, I guess, prep goes into that? Um, usually the feeling out of the person happens during the conversation, like Fred Smurless. Sure. I obviously know, being from Buffalo, I know these athletes. I just don't know them personally and, you know, their temperament. But talking to him was funny because from the the start of the conversation, he just was, you know, spilling things, you know, constantly and making jokes and just having fun with it. And I'm like, this guy's great. And I would have never known that, you know, just by doing research. So a lot of it happens during the course of the conversation. But what I do is I just, you know... I know the player the way I know them, having seen them play, and you know I'm a I'm a Buffalo sports fan, so um, so I know I have that knowledge. But then you know I look into their careers and you know do searches and just kind of find an angle, you know where those tough questions can maybe come in or, or find something that you know maybe they hadn't talked about before, like sure. with with Adam Lingner. And him saying that he feels like the snap he gave Scott Norwood was a bad, or the snap that they gave Scott was bad. Like, hmm. no, no one really ever talked about that before. So I was, I tried to hone in on that with him. So, yeah, it's just, you know, looking, looking them up and, and preparing that way. And then <clears throat> from there, I developed the questions maybe like the day before the interview. So it's just kind of fresh. You know, it's funny. It's this kind of a, brings into a topic that I try to tell people all the time, you know, for myself being around the players, um, I mean, specifically in hockey, but around the room. And, you know, this is a situation that, you know, it's, these are professional athletes. You watch them on TV, you know, you cheer for them, root for them, you know, they kind of, in a lot of people's minds, they have that higher standard, but really it's hard to, I mean, it's easier for me to understand because like I said, I'm around and I understand is, you know, these are people too. 
you know mm-hmm. I, I mean you know we're sure you're, you're kind of intimidated talking to them but then when you kind of realize well this is just a person who's having a conversation with you know these these athletes you know we, we're seeing it you know recently as of yesterday with patrick bergman you know the 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 issues he was having is why he left uh we found out about robin leonard you know after he left the issues he was having behind the scenes that you kind of don't think about and you know once i think you kind of peel back that layer of they're a hockey player but a person and then going the other way too of that's a media person but they're just a person too and then it, you know eventually you know, I've done a few Q and A's, you know, with um, like Will Borgen, but he was in college at the time, and then another prospect too. And it's it's a little bit different for younger people, but still, it's I think it, it's on both sides. It's you know, in those Q and A's. You kind of have to crack it in the beginning. It's kind of like breaking the ice, I guess you could say. And then once you get through that, I think it just kind of turns into a nice, easy conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, you know, and you become more comfortable the more that you do them. I remember you know, being so nervous <clears throat> on the phone with, with people like Megan Rapino when I'd first talked to her and just before the, before she picked up, I, you know, I can remember the heart beating fast and things like that. And that just, it doesn't happen to me anymore because, because I've, I've done so many of these and, and you, like you said, like it's, you just get to the point where they're just regular people who, who met, who just were successful in sports. I think that's that's part of the reason why the athletic is is such a compelling site, right? Because I think um, maybe you know readers of sports content it, it gets caught up in the minutia a little bit, you know, hearing the same questions, like the same post game questions, the same kind of mundane responses. Where you know the pieces you've done, it almost focuses as much on the game as it does on the person, the human themselves, right? And that element is so unique and and you know it's part of the reason why you know the athletic and and you know sites that are, are kind of gearing that way are so endearing and so your background on kind of you know diving into the human element of athletes uh you know from the very beginning is is obviously very valuable yeah that's why i think it was a good fit for me because i'm not a i'm not a beat reporter i'm not going to pretend i'm something i'm i'm not i'm right. not I don't do I go to games and and then ask questions afterwards yeah but it's usually part of a larger story that I'm already working on that I'm you know I need more info for but I've never been a a recap type of writer I like the human element and uh, I think that's why the athletic reached out to me and I think that's why I'm I feel as though it's a good fit for me so to kind of Get near the end here and wrap up. You know, we got to ask you, you know, about the uh, the women's league. You know, that kind of you have a lot of involvement in that now. And you know, I, I, I try to promote it and tell people how great of a league it is as much as I can because you know it has that stigma. You know, it, that that it's women's hockey. How great can it be? And I don't think it's fair. I think if you sit down and you watch a women's game, it's actually very entertaining. Uh, the women's Olympics, I, I think, was hands down more entertaining than the men's Olympics last time around. And I'm just curious of your overall thought of the league and then if kind of I think where you think the league is headed in terms of their growth now, a couple of years into it. Well, I run up against that a lot because I write a lot about the WNBA um, as well during the summer for different different publications. I'm a I'm a big promoter of the WNBA, I'm a big promoter of women's sports and when I when they hired me at the athletic I told them this is what I wanted to bring into the space with some, you know, UB women's basketball coverage, some Buttes coverage, in addition to what the other things I've been doing. So 
it, as far as the, the, the NWHL, it's growing. It's you got to remember, it's three years old. If you look at any sports league that was three years old, I mean, they had growing pains. They had the players weren't making much. You know, there's financial problems. There's egos. But I do think all that can get worked out, and I do think it takes. It's going to take more games like they had at the Key Bank Center, where people who are Sabres fans can get a taste of women's hockey, who wouldn't normally, you know, drop by the Harbor Center to see a game. But they need they need more televised games, and the way they've been doing that on Twitter, I think, has worked. It's definitely worked for the WNBA. They have some blueprints to follow. Um, I, I do think combining the CWHL and the NW and the NWHL would be a boon for both leagues, but we'll see. Um, I know the players love it. I know they love playing and I know the fans love it too. So we'll see what happens, but it's, uh, it's got potential. Yeah. And just to touch on the Buttes real quick, one of the pieces, uh, I was reading of yours that I really, really enjoyed was the, uh, interview with, uh, Shannon Sabatos. I don't think a lot of people realize that she drives eight hours from you know to and from practice and games i mean people you know it, it's a professional league right and it, it's almost akin to lacrosse so to speak where like you had john tavares for the bandits who was traveling you know as a math teacher in toronto right a lot of people don't realize that that you know i mean these women have jobs elsewhere right and they don't even necessarily live in buffalo mm-hmm. i just think that's so cool to kind of shed light on that and, and it almost amplifies the you know the the perception of how much commitment they actually have to the game and trying to grow you know a new league the sacrifices they're willing to make in that pursuit yeah that's a great way to put it and the fact that it's shannon that's doing this that you pretty much the the face of the league right now the the most widely known player around the world is driving eight hour round trips to be able to play in this women's league because she loves hockey so much and and wants to help you know, grow the league is, it's just, it, like you said, it speaks to their commitment and their love of the game. And you want to root for people like that. You know, you want them to, to, to be successful and to see their vision come to fruition. And it makes me want to write about them. So. Absolutely. And, and speaking of people who we root for now, you and I have had this conversation on Twitter. I'm asking you point blank right now, Sierra Dillard, first round pick. <laughs> You know what? I think she's she's definitely moving in that direction. I had a conversation over the spring with um, Carol Lawson, who's a, a, a college women's college basketball analyst for ESPN and played for Tennessee, who who saw her as a second round pick. But with what she's doing this year, from the start, I mean, she didn't pick up really and start scoring like she was scoring until mid season when this and later in the start of the tournament where she sort of broke out of her shell. But she has been. She has shown that she is a go-to player. She's dropped weight. She's in great shape. She, she's taken over that team. So yeah, I could, I definitely could see her as a first-round pick. And she's got that that professional commitment level too. You know, reading the story about her working or, or you know working out from nine <laughs> to five, uh, five days a week. It's like my goodness. You know what I mean? So that that level of commitment that's got to speak volumes too for for you know a WNBA scout you know looking into her and her work ethic. Yeah, and I actually I wrote about her over the the summer before the season got underway just about the expectations and a lot of people don't realize and i mentioned this in the story but she almost gave up basketball before she transferred to ub she was she was ready to quit and just try something different so she was she was that close to uh to not playing anymore so it's it's kind of crazy when you think about that 
So, to wrap up here, since Anthony has hijacked most of the questions in this interview. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfectly fine with me. I don't care. Go go to town. You were doing good. I, uh, I'm going to steal Anthony's question that we asked everybody at the end here. So, I'm going to ask the question. How we kind of wrap up every single uh, podcast here is we ask the blogger podcast that we have on. Because, you know, I mean, the last few days, um, you know, I've been called a number nerd and a coloring book GM on Twitter the last few days. Those, those are my interactions the last few days on Twitter. But is there some sort of, maybe it's specific or something you hear a lot, is there some sort of kickback comment that you get that always either just sticks in your head or that really just bothers you every time you see it? Oh, you mean from, like, tw- Twitter trolls? Yeah, Twitter or even comments on articles, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, women's sports are boring, you know, go back mm, to the kitchen. That yeah. would probably be the oh, main one, go back to the kitchen. That one. Um, be, and it's so... That's an auto block, right? It's got to be. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not a big blocker. shivers down my spine when you said that. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a big blocker unless someone gets, like, you know, graphically disgusting. Yeah, I'm um, the I, I like to try to talk. I'd like to try to, like, because, you know, I like to talk to people. I like to find out why they think they, you know, why do you think women belong in the kitchen? Are you just saying that to be a jerk? Do you really believe it? Do, do you have a daughter? Do you tell that to your daughter? Like, it's it's probably, too, the most overused, cliched uh, comeback that guys can whip up. And it tells me they're not very clever, number one. <laughs> but, yeah, that's what I hear the most. That's great. Yeah, like I said, that... That sent shivers down my spine when you said that. And it's not surprising. And it's disappointing at the same time. So I give you credit for you know battling through stuff like that and getting to where you are now dealing with that stuff because you know it, it really is a male-predominant industry, you could say that. But a lot of women are breaking through, and that's good to see. So keep working hard because you know what you do is, is excellent work. And you know battling through that, I think, just makes it even more impressive, impressive getting to where you are now. Oh, I appreciate that. And I really appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me this morning. Yeah, not a problem. So Lindsay Darkangelo, you can follow her on Twitter at Darkangel21, uh, writer for The Athletic Buffalo. She is very good, very good at what she does. So definitely recommend you following and reading her pieces when they're up. So Lindsay, thank you very much for taking the time. Excellent conversation. And again, best of luck moving forward and looking forward to your next uh your next piece you can show off the athletic because always make sure I read it whenever it comes out. Ah, thank you. Appreciate it. You be women's this week. I'll be doing. Nice. Fun. Exciting. Very good. Awesome. <laughs> All right. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. All right. Thanks guys.